Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Momming today about vaping. What does e-cigarette use do to the teenage brain, and how do you prevent or stop your kid from doing it? We are now joined by Matt Murphy of Reading, Massachusetts, who started vaping about a year and a half ago, and the struggle to stop was not easy. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Tell us your story. Yeah, so um, I initially was put onto the Jewel when um, the larger like box mod style vapes where like the first generation vapes were becoming prominent i saw this small small little thing um i was confused as to what it was cloud um i went over and i asked my friend if i could use it and so i used it and then it produced this massive physiological response it was like this major head rush and so from that point on i made a note to myself that wherever i could um indulge i would whenever i had the opportunity to and so i did um eventually my friend in my close friend group got one and so it was in my close proximity every day and so i ended up using it um probably once a day so eventually after a bit of that i went on a vacation out west and um i realized that two days in after a few weeks of this using it once a day or so um i was experiencing withdrawal symptoms believe it or not I was craving the nicotine. I was fantasizing about taking the big old fat hit of it. And um, so after about three days, I decided to Uber and go buy my first Jewel. And after that, I Jeweled for about a year and a half. And how, successfully quit how old were you when you first tried it, Matt? Um, I think I was about 17. And correct me if I'm wrong, is that legal then? I believe it's illegal because you were under 18? It was illegal, yeah. I mean, I might have been a loophole in the law because the e-cigarette is, like, designated differently under the law, but yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's not legal. Were you a smoker prior to trying an e-cigarette? No, I've actually never taken a puff of of a cigarette before. So you never took a puff of a cigarette? May I ask, what about marijuana? Um, yeah, I had experiment, experimented with that before, but nothing, you know, heavy. And then all of a sudden you go to e-cigarettes and you're automatically hooked. Can you just describe that sensation you were describing after your first puff of one? Yeah, totally. Um, it's like, it's a pleasurable dizziness. Um, your anxiety melts. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of euphoria, to be honest. And, um... That, that feeling was really intoxicating, especially as an adolescent. You know, I think they're, as adolescents, we're prone to these experiences more than um, adult brains just from the nicotine physiological response. Yeah. Did, did you feel high? Um, it wasn't it wasn't a high. It was it was it was a head rush, like a right. like a buzz. And you just wanted to keep going back and back and back for more of it. So 
how did you know it was time to stop? I mean, what were your parents saying, your friends? Yeah, so um, this was in my friend group, so, I mean, they weren't really judgmental about it. Um, my parents didn't know about it. The thing is, with the jewel in particular, it's very sleek. It's a very um, small device. It's easy to conceal, which makes it extremely popular with teens. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents didn't find it until um, until I came home from my freshman year of college, and they looked in my backpack and they saw the graveyard of all the empty pods. And uh, at that point, there was a massive family confrontation. There was like a, you know, it was just, it, my mom was crying and everything. And I, I couldn't, I was, I, I was addicted. Like there's no, no justifying it. I, I was addicted. And so we had to uh, work on fixing that. Why was your, I guess, why was your mom's reaction so extreme? Because you could have just said, hey, mom, look everybody's vaping. I mean, you walk down a city street and you see, you know, so many people using e-cigarettes. It seems so commonplace. Granted, you are an adolescent, but but why do you totally. think her response was what it was? And, and what did you say to her when she said that to you? Well, to be honest, it was something that I saw in my own life as a problem as well. Um, it's hard to have any sort of self-confidence when you're, you know, subservient to this flash drive. Uh, you're doing its bidding and you're spending all your money. Like, this was a major problem for me. And so when I saw my mom crying, I kind of had this epitome where I was like, they could be support, they could help me, they could be an asset in this and help me kick this. Um, My mom was crying. I think addiction is definitely a scary thing. You know, we have Irish blood, Murphy, Mm -hmm. it's all Irish. Um, (laughs) You know, we have a history of that in our family. And so I think that just kind of triggered her a little bit. Yeah. Were you worried or at any point while you were were vaping, did you worry that it would lead to something else, a gateway to something else? Um, I think that's actually more of a concern that my parents would have because as adolescents, we kind of think we know everything wrong. It's not going to happen to me, you know. I, I know this. But to be fair, I do draw strict boundaries on my, you know, um, uh, rebellious nature stuff. Um, like, for example, I, I still have never taken a puff of a cigarette. Like, I just kind of draw a line in the sand and try not to step over it. So what's the difference then? What, what's the stigma for you for having a drag of a, a regular traditional cigarette as opposed to having a graveyard in your backpack of the remnants of your e-cigarettes, the cartridges? Yeah, so um, with cigarettes, um, the education efforts have kind of been successful in convincing the youth that cigarette smoking is not a, a favorable habit. Um, you know, like you can point at the yellow teeth, the yellow nails, the black lungs, all the emphysema and cancers and say, yeah, you don't want to do that. With the Juul and other vapes, it's more sneaky because the nicotine um, doesn't come with all those rancid side effects. So all you get is the mental health detriments of addiction. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how difficult or easy it was for you to get a jewel um, in Massachusetts versus when you went to that trip out west and you said you actually Ubered to get one? Was there a difference in the accessibility? It's kind of funny. In my town, when I was during the time of my addiction, um, my town passed the town ordinance to make tobacco 21. but the next town over, it's actually a city, they didn't do that. So it was 18. And I live, like, right near the border of the town. So I 
and the two gas stations are right next to each other. It's funny, like they're on the town line. So one was 21 and one was 18. And at that time, I had turned 18 for the majority of my addiction. And so I would just go, you know, go over to Woburn and get it. It wasn't too hard. That's unbelievable. What What do you think needs to be done to 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 prevent this epidemic of adolescents vaping from getting any bigger? And are we doing enough at the federal level? Um, at a federal level, probably not. I think um, at the local level, like the state level, a lot of legislation is being passed to go after um, uh, flavors. I think that that's a huge thing, a huge uh, attraction for younger kids is the flavors of all these e-cigarettes. What flavor did um, you like? I liked mint. That was definitely mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so prevention on the legislation front is huge. That needs to be emphasized as well as, like, restricting access to them. But also um, peer-to-peer education, talking about it in schools is huge. Uh, is your school? Did it, your school talk be a about multi- it? multifaceted battle um it was the thing is they talk about it now but it was such a new thing Mm. when i was coming up that they didn't it totally blindsided the administration and among your friends i mean do you know of any younger um younger kids even preteens that are vaping yeah so i heard a horror story a few weeks ago i'm in like the prevention arena kind of this is kind of how i i decided to use my experience to um help the prevention efforts, but I heard a horror story last week about a kid who was 10 years old coming to the, um, to the care facility at Boston Children's and asked for addiction treatment, 10 years old. But he knew to, he came in on his own mat or he came with his parents? It was was his parents. It was his parents. But I mean, I just can't imagine that what that kid's life is going to be like. I mean, his brain is developing my brain's still developing but this kid's 10 and his brain's developing around these pathways of nicotine it's it's extremely concerning matt's story pretty powerful sends a message to all of us that e-cigarettes meant for adults to stop smoking traditional cigarettes causing teens who never smoked to start smoking uh, let's discuss the scope of this problem or epidemic as it is being called with megan jacobs of the truth initiative megan how, how big of a problem is this Well, it's a pretty big problem right now. The Surgeon General has called this an epidemic because it truly is. We are seeing young people using e-cigarettes at pretty much unparalleled levels. We've seen 78% increases in the past year alone in young people who are using an e-cigarette in the past 30 days, and that's pretty scary. What we're trying to understand, and I don't even know if you have these answers, if anybody has these answers, including health officials, the chemicals that are in an e-cigarette and what they do to the teenage brain, the teenage lungs, what do you know? So we know that 99% of all e-cigarettes that are sold, including all Juul products, which is the market leader among youth and young adults, they all contain nicotine. And we know from decades of research that nicotine is very dangerous for developing brains. It primes them for addiction further on down the road, whether that's to tobacco or to other drugs, even including alcohol. So we know that nicotine is particularly dangerous. And we also know that there are a lot of chemicals in e-cigarette liquids that have been approved by the FDA for ingesting as if they were in part of your food. 
but we have no idea what the long-term effects are of those same chemicals being inhaled and what they might do to your lungs further on down the road. As we wait for the FDA to figure out how they're dealing with this, what are small things that we can do as parents, we can do as smokers to, to cut back on the, the, the number of children that are vaping? Well, I think first and foremost is that parents need to recognize what e-cigarettes are and what they look like. There are many e-cigarettes on the market that don't look like a traditional cigarette, and they don't look even like uh, some of the big e-cigarette vaporizers that you've seen maybe in vape shops. Now, the most popular products on the market look more like a USB stick or even a highlighter. Some of them look like a small pebble. And so it's important for parents to familiarize themselves with different e-cigarettes and what they look like so that they recognize them around their home or if they see their child with one. That's crazy. The second thing is that parents and educators, clinicians, you're not going to be able to yell or punish or scare your kids out of this. It's important to understand that Nicotine addiction truly is an addiction, and it needs to be treated as such, and young people need to be given resources to help them quit if they've already started and educated about the potential dangers so that they don't start. But as you just noted, one of the biggest problems that adults have is recognizing that they even have the device in the first place because if it looks like a highlighter and you can, you know, sitting in class, put it up your sleeve, inhale, and then, you know, exhale into your into your sweatshirt. No one knows you did it, right? That's, that's true. And at this point, so many young people are reporting that they have tried an e-cigarette in the past 30 days that a parent could probably assume that their child has tried one or has been around other friends or peers who have tried them. And so at this point, putting out a quitting resource and maybe framing it as If you have friends who are using this or coming at it from the side so that you're not uh, directly assuming that your child is the one who needs help quitting, but putting out a resource to help them, uh, they may share that with their friends and they may choose to try it out themselves if they're feeling like they have a problem. That's unbelievable that we have to assume because I think the latest number is over 3 million youth use these e-cigarettes. We just have to assume that our kids are using them. How early does it start? We're seeing uh, e-cigarette use at around 20% among high school students in 2018, and we've heard anecdotally that it's reaching down as young as uh, 11 and 12 years old. Oh, boy. Um, What's the issue? Is it the flavors that are just attractive, uh, taste good? Uh, What's the exact – what's so popular? And So why do teens have to have this product? Well, two things have really driven the – youth and adolescent uptake of e-cigarettes. One certainly is flavors. We know from the combusted tobacco space and also from research that Truth Initiative and other groups have done that flavors and curiosity about those flavors have been a major driver of youth in particular experimenting with e-cigarettes. So when they see something like mango or uh, fruit punch flavor and they think that all they're inhaling is a flavored water, then they don't maybe think it's that dangerous. And we know from research that Truth Initiative has done that the majority of young people who have used Juul in particular did not know that it always contains nicotine and that there was a prospect of getting addicted. And do you know yet the link between when someone starts vaping, the likelihood of them doing something harder, something more deleterious? 
We know that young people who use e-cigarettes are four times more likely to go on to use combusted tobacco than their peers who don't. Uh, we don't know what the long-term trajectory is of addiction from e-cigarettes yet. That, unfortunately, is something that will take years uh, to really bear out in the data. But we do know that young people who get addicted to nicotine uh, find it harder to quit than people who start using nicotine when they're older. Why is and that? they do tend to have a higher likelihood of becoming addicted to other substances. Why do younger people get addicted faster than older people? Nicotine affects the brain chemically, and it changes the pathways that your brain has to how your brain responds to things that give it pleasure, whether that's friendship or relationships or sunshine or good food. And when nicotine changes those pathways in your brain that affect how you receive pleasure, uh, that chemically has an impact down the road in the way that your brain is primed to seek out other sources of pleasure. And things like sunshine or good food or friendships they essentially don't work as well. And so it becomes other addictive substances that can fill in that gap. So it seems so easy to me that if I were the FDA or if I were one of these e-cigarette makers like Juul, I would say, okay, um, let's put these restrictions on, on the product. Let's ban flavors. Let's do X, Y, and Z. So our products, which were meant to do good for adults to get them to quit smoking traditional cigarettes, don't create this new generation of vapors. Why, why, why isn't anyone just having common sense and doing something? Well, I think that there are a lot of good things that are in the works right now. Like and what? certainly the FDA is taking some steps, for example, by restricting flavors and uh, doing more to fund research about what the long-term effects are. So it's not like the FDA is standing idly by. Mm -hmm. um, but the toothpaste is a little bit out of the tube in terms of how many young people have already started. And much of the conversation over the past few years has focused on youth prevention. And we're just now starting to move into an area where more and more people are realizing that uh, there needs to be a lot of attention as well on the idea of youth cessation or youth quitting because so many young people have already started. Um, the age to buy an e-cigarette is 18? Correct. Should it be 21? Well, we know that the human brain is developing until the age of about 25. Ooh. So as much as we'd love to see increases in the tobacco age, you know, we know that a lot of states right now are moving to increase the age to 21, and certainly that will help. Um, but in an ideal world, I think we'd see even more public health benefit if people were restricted from buying uh, up until the age of 25 because we know that the human brain is still developing up until that point. Two physicians wrote in an op-ed in the New York Times that as they study marijuana, they think for marijuana sales, the minimum age should be 25 and you're saying because of what it does to the adolescent brain and you're saying the same thing for e-cigarettes. Well, that's true. The human brain is still developing up until the age of 25, and we know that nicotine has damaging effects on the brain up until that point. I'm scared as a parent, you know, because if they're starting as early as 10 and their brain isn't developed until 15 years after that, that is 15 precious years that affects our children's development. I feel handcuffed. I, I'm right there with you. I have a toddler, and I know just how risk-taking and not thinking about the long-term consequences he is because his brain is still so young. And essentially, those risk-taking parts of the brain are still in the driver's seat 
up until the age of 25 when the consequence evaluating part of our brain is has taken over. I mean, so, gosh, how plugged in are you to the administration um, and, to, and to Juul and its competitors in affecting a change, into being able to say, look, this is what you should do, this is what you need to do, and, and, and are they listening? Truth Initiative, as an organization, is extremely plugged in to both the policy situation and the research environment on the ground. Um, we are collaborating with the FDA and other researchers to try to better understand the harmful effects, what needs to be done in terms of helping young people quit, and what those research priorities um, could or should be by the FDA. As far as industry regulating itself, I think we've seen over the past 50, 60 years that the tobacco industry is not an industry that will ever regulate itself to the benefit of public health. So it's hard for me to have a lot of faith that the e-cigarette industry would be any different, particularly when we see the influence that big tobacco has on the e-cigarette industry. Altria owns about 35% of Juul, and it's hard for me to separate an e-cigarette company from big tobacco when we see that much influence. Megan Jacobs, thank you um, for everything that you're doing and for enlightening us about the dangers that our children are basically guaranteed to try as they become preteens and teenagers. Thank you very much. Well, I do want to also add that at Truth Initiative, we've developed the only program to help youth and young adults quit e-cigarettes. And so I do want to just let you and your listeners know how your young people can access that program. It's a very simple, easy-to-use text message program, and all a young person has to do is text the word QUIT to the number 706-222-QUIT to receive free anonymous text messaging designed to help them quit vaping. Let me ask you a quick follow-up on that. Do the teens that you speak to, do they say, I'm feeling a head rush, I'm feeling this, whatever the feeling is because they just vaped? Do they know that they're addicted because of their, their sensations? Or do they like it and pursue it more? Certainly at first, young people who start using an e-cigarette probably feel the pleasurable effects from it. And over the long term, we hear from more and more young people that they're tired of feeling addicted to something. They don't like feeling tethered to something that's essentially a USB stick. They are sick of spending money on the pods and the device itself, and they're tired of how vaping makes them look and feel. They're tired of carrying around a secret. Many of them are hiding it from their parents, and that's a burden on them. And they're feeling the health effects, so they report things like headaches or not being able to perform as well on their sports team. And so uh, we've seen since we launched the program in January, uh, over 40,000 young people have enrolled uh, to essentially get support for quitting. That's amazing. Megan, thank you. Sure. Thank you for having me. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.